As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. I would say that before anybody starts investing, that I would tell you today to start by being an apprentice. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714 I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff. With us today, David Phelps. David, how you doing? Joe, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about David. He began his investing in real estate by joint venturing with his dad on their first rental property in 1980. He is a nationally recognized speaker on creating freedom, building real businesses, and investing. 
He's owned a general dentist practice for 27 years and hosts the popular podcast, The Dentist Freedom Blueprint. He's the founder of David Phelps International, based in Big D, Dallas, Texas, my hometown. With that being said, David, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I started out as a real estate investor back in 1980, as you just stated, with my first joint venture acquisition, used my dad's credit and financing, and I was the manager. I was in dental school at the time, right here in Dallas at Baylor College of Dentistry, and uh, kept that property for the next three and a half years while I was in school. We sold it and split about a $50,000 capital gain, and when I looked at that profit that I made managing that property, which took very little time, and I realized that I made more in profit from that than I did in all those hours that I spent waiting tables over on Greenville Avenue and Park Lane uh, nights and weekends. And I thought, there's something to this real estate. <laughs> uh, so I went on in and got my license to practice dentistry. I started a practice, but I never looked back in terms of real estate investing. I was hooked. And so I, I kind of ran both things tandem. I built my dental practice, but was also building a portfolio of real estate investment properties. Now, I've never been a flipper, a wholesaler. Uh, it was always investment for me. And uh, went through the years. Things in life happened. They changed. I have a daughter who was very, very ill, very sick. She survived leukemia, epilepsy, and had to have a liver transplant when she was 12. That just changed everything for me in terms of my priorities. Fortunately, I had the real estate, so I made the decision back in 2004 that I was going to get out of the regular practice of dentistry, the owning and doing of the dentistry, and do something else. I didn't know what that something else was going to be, but I knew I had the real estate as a backdrop, so I sold the practice twice, actually. That's a whole other story, which we don't have time to go into today. But I sold, <laughs> I, I sold it twice. It's not something I would recommend, but, uh, but I've learned a lot of lessons there. But I got out of the practice and could spend time with my daughter, which is the reason I did it. So she had a lot of health issues. She's good today. Thank goodness. Thank you. But she had a recovery from her, particularly from her liver transplant. And I was happy to be able to be the dad I always wanted to be, but never made the time a priority because I always thought, well, someday... When I get everything else just right, have you ever heard that before, Joe, from anybody yeah, else? Yeah, Someday yeah. when I go in and get all the stuff just right, then I'll start living my life. Then I'll start doing the things that people talk about when they're on their deathbed. They talk about all the regrets they have about not doing those things. And for me, Joe, it was really a wake-up call. And I'm pleased to say that through all of the, a lot of the issues that I went through and everybody on listening to this great podcast today has either gone through tough times in life, they're going through some now, or they will. And you have to realize that that's just part of the test we go through in life. But once you get through them, you'll learn a lot of great lessons, and it will propel you to being a better person, I believe. And think about your life more in terms of impact and not how can I make enough money to have security because there's no such thing as that. So just to go fast forward a little bit faster on where I'm today, I had a lot of colleagues in dentistry and medicine that once I was out of practice, they would ask me, well, how did you do that? Because for most people, they end up just kind of treading water, trading time for dollars all their life, no matter what their time per hour wage or compensation is, they never get free. And I explained that there was this real estate side to my life that I didn't really expose to that many people. And they wanted to know more. So how did you do that? Could you help me? And just little by little, as I just started to help and realize I could help more people if I had a little bit more of a platform, and very organically, what today is the Freedom Founders Mastermind Community, which focused initially on dentists and affiliated professional practice owners. But really today, we like anybody who has a like-minded spirit that's a small business owner, and we can help them combine what they're doing in their business or practice, but also how they can connect to real estate, build wealth outside of that primary business, and have that plan B whenever they need it. So 
first and foremost, thank goodness that your daughter is feeling better. That's most important. As far as the real estate stuff goes, I just want to make sure I'm understanding things. So what's the primary way that you make money in real estate? Today, it is taking participations with other people. That's not how I started. I started boots on the ground, going out and finding opportunities, primarily in single family at first, that I could take down with existing financing or private financing or seller financing. I was not an institutional financier to go back in the day. I stayed away from the institutions and built my portfolio boots on the ground. But today, and what I teach other busy professionals and busy business owners is it's all about relationships. Real estate, unlike Wall Street, real estate is an insider's game. It's who you know. Now, yes, you can definitely do your boots on the ground, a go-getter, and that's where most young people start. But at some point, I think there's opportunities to connect dots, and that's really what I do is I bring capital to deal flow. And with my own capital, I take participations. I lend money. I do equity deals, syndications. I just really do it through other people that I have built a relationship of no like, and trust, which is critical. It's a critical factor. I'm not being cavalier about you just go out and find somebody to give your money to. It's a lot more than that. But that, to me, is the fast track. That's really, for me, true leverage today of my time. Mm-hmm. And my time my time's the most, most important thing that I've got. And so I've got to look at my time and realize, where do I want to spend my time? How can I get the most out of the time I've got and enjoy what I do? So you are passively investing, whether it is in a syndication or lending your money to fix and flippers or doing some other type of passive investment, correct? Yeah, you could say passive. I'd say it's semi-active. I don't get down with tenants and management and contractors and actually looking at the properties, but I stay involved with the fewer and better people that I have built into my network. And, and I enjoy that involvement. So it's not as passive as like passive is where you just dump your money into a fund. Yep. Whether- you know, real estate based or Wall Street based, whatever, you just dump it into a fund and you never hear from anybody. You're supposed to get checks, right? Dividends or, or interest payments. And that to me would be truly passive. But I like to be have a little bit more control over what I'm doing. So just semantics a little bit, but just want to kind of clarify how I feel about passive versus semi-active. Can you give a specific example of the semi-active scenario? Yeah, for sure. So I'll just keep it simple and just talk about single family residential, which I believe is one of the best places for people to start. And actually, that's where the bulk of my portfolio is today. I do a lot of lending and I can do short term lending for fix and flip, but also I'll do longer term lending where I actually take equity participation or I'll take option positions on equity on a longer term basis. So I'll put my money in a deal and lend the money for the acquisition and the rehab if it's someone that I've got track record with. And as I said, that could be a short-term deal, which is pretty simple. It's points in an annual interest rate, you know, pretty standard on short-term. But I like the longer-term because I like to keep my money invested where I don't have it coming in and out. There's a point where you want to have velocity when you're trying to grow your portfolio. But at some point, you don't need to have super velocity on your entire portfolio. So put my money in somewhere where it's going to be there for three, five. I'll go 10 years. But I do have a, an equity hedge in those deals. And mm-hmm. that's, that's simple. That's one deal, one operator, if you will, one boots on the ground catalyst and my money in that deal. And of course, you can explode that and do other things where you are syndicating and build off that model. But that's pretty much a basic premise. For the acquisition rehab of a property where you're lending the money and you're charging points and interest rate, what do you charge? It's going to depend, Joe. It depends on the geographic area. It depends on the price point of the property, how much risk I feel like is in the deal and evaluating that. Depends on my relationship with that person and how much scale, how much deal flow they can provide me. But just to give you a range, it's going to be typically today, it's about average, about 12% in two points. That's an average. Mm -hmm. Okay.
And as far as the long-term play, three, five, seven, even 10 years where you have, you set an equity hedge, so you have upside in the deal because you are have some portion of equity in the deal. What type of returns do you look for in that? Again, great question. And that will, again, depend upon the marketplace. (laughs) Yep. I've got to look at the market and say, well, is this going to be an appreciating market? If we have, which I think we will have some serious inflation in the next decade or two, is this a marketplace? Is this a price point, a geographical market that ride that? Or is it really a, just a poke along great cash flow market, but not so much on the appreciation? So that's one factor. The second factor is today when I'm making the investment, what is the equity position today? Just right now today, you know, the borrower, what's his position? What, what do I feel like truly fair market value is on a quick sale? And how much am I loaning in the deal? What's my loan to value? So what do I feel like is true equity net after cost of sale? So those two will be determining factors on what percentage of participation I want and based on the number of years. Now, sometimes I'll go in with a flat percentage. It could be anywhere from 20% to as high as 75%. That's going to be dependent upon those two considerations I just gave you. Plus, What's the carrying cost that the borrower wants to or feels like they can carry? And probably the top level is 8%. That's probably top level in a moderate priced range category. You start getting into a little bit better properties, we're going to have to drop that carry for the borrower to 6%, 5%. I've gone down to 2%, but that's where I've taken a bigger equity participation in a market where I felt like we had equity going in, and I felt like there would be an equity play on the backside. What's an example of that type of market? Well, right now in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Dallas particularly, our market is hot right now. And properties that we could easily buy for under a hundred grand, maybe in the 80s or 90s, all in three, four years ago and cash flowing like a big dog, price points are up now. It's more competitive. So now we're looking at properties where their gross rent has gone from 1150 to 12. Now we're up to you know, 13, 14, 15, $1,600 per month in property price points that are closing in on 170K. So someone's borrowing the greater proportion of 170000 maybe they're borrowing 140000 just give or take. Even at, at $1,600 per month rent, pushing them up at 8% is going to be strain their cash flow. So I want to make sure my borrowers have plenty of margin. I, number one, their deals have to be good. I mean, they've got to be able to negotiate and close good deals. But all that being said, I want to make sure they've got a cushion because the deal only works if it works for both people. And if I'm greedy or try to be greedy and take too much out of the deal – then it hurts that person. And I want to do deals over and over and over again with a few and better people. So a deal like that, I'm probably looking at like 6% tops on the carry costs for the borrower. And then again, looking at whatever the equity is going in, if I think we've got 25% equity, then I might look at a 50-50 deal on that. I'm just, mm-hmm. I mean, general right now without penciling numbers in, but that might be a general range. What's the last deal you invested in? Oh gosh, last deal? I'm doing deals every week. So. so. Okay. So the one this week. I do deals with a good friend of mine in Jackson, Mississippi. So it's a low price point market. He does a lot of seller financing and what he does, and he'll do fully amortized seller finance notes to the homeowner borrowers and they amortize out in less than 10 years. And he'll typically sell off the first 60 payments or so of that note to take care of his acquisition costs. He'll keep a back end position and he'll sell those to me at 12%. So I've got maybe like a five year note, 12%. Those are easy for me to do. I've got my money in for five years. I'm very, very secure, and he's got a great track record. So I do deals like that all the time, my small deals like that, but my money's in play for five years or so. What's a challenge you have in your business right now? Oh, probably too many ideas, honestly. I'm like a lot of entrepreneurs. I always want to do more or think, well, what if I added this or do that? And fortunately, I have a really good team around me that helps me vet my 
great ideas. And I say that with air quotes, great ideas. Um, <laughs> it's easy to get off track, Joe, for all of us. It's easy to get off track. And so I'll think of something, I'll read about something, and I'll go, I think we ought to go do that, or I want to do that. And I really count on my team to help vet my deals. And not that they'll say my ideas are not good. They'll just say, well, maybe not now. And I appreciate that. So probably the biggest shock <laughs> for me is being true to myself and not running after every squirrel that appears out the window. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best advice ever. I would say that before anybody starts investing, that I would tell you today to start by being an apprentice. What do I mean by that? It means find somebody in your marketplace, in the space, not geographically, just find the best person who you know well enough that has a great platform and is doing something that interests you. And you believe they have a lifestyle also that reflects what you're really looking for in the long term. And tell that person, hey, I'll come work for you for free for a period of time. Now, most people will pay you something. You can earn your way in. But I think that's the best advice is invest in yourself first, but you got to do that by serving others that already have a track record. Mentorship, apprenticeship, to me, that is the fastest track, inclusive of just reading a lot, being around good people, going to conferences, seminars, listening to podcasts like yours. All those are great, but I think actually being able to tag along with somebody who has already created the path and can show you so many things so quickly about life in general, business principles, finance principles, specifically about real estate. You can learn so much faster and kind of skip your own training wheels, which for most of us are wobbly at first, you know, and we fall off and scrape our knees. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if there's a faster track where I don't have to have patches on my knees and elbows as often as long, then I'll take that path every time. Ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com. What's the best ever book you've read? That's a tough one, Joe. I'm going to be true to my faith and say I think the best ever book is the Bible. There's so many great lessons in the Bible that speak to everything in life. And then I've just got a whole library of books behind me on business. Jim Collins, Good to Great, Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last. The list goes on and on, but there's a couple, three for you. Best ever deal you've done? I'm going to say it was the first one I did with my dad because had I not had the chutzpah to ask him to come be an investor with me, I might not have gotten started early on when I did in life, and who knows where I'd be today. Best ever way you like to give back? We have a young leaders group in the Freedom Founders Mastermind community, and we want to empower the millennial age group, 18 to 30 years old typically today, and empower them to give them the opportunity to live their life the way they want to live it and not feel trapped by society norms or traditions. What's a mistake you've made on a deal? Trust, but not verifying facts, not doing enough due diligence. Not that I was lazy, just going too fast. And uh, a little bit more work, I could have saved myself a little bit of pain. What is the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? 
Best way would probably be my website, Freedom Founders. That's plural, freedomfounders.com. And you can check me out on the Dentist Freedom Blueprint podcast. You don't have to be a dentist to listen. (laughs) Well, David, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about how you invest now, your investing strategy that is semi-active slash going towards passive, but I won't say passive because you said not to, but more semi-active versus being on the ground and being fully active and your approach to both short-term financing that you provide and the long-term play where you want more of an equity upside component to the deal. And then just your path along the way that got you to this place. So thanks so much for being on the show, David. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Joe, thanks. My privilege. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com.